Rend your heart, not your garments. All the outward things, your, your tears over sin, maybe bowing down before God in prayer, maybe even fasting, whatever it might be, those are just outward signs of what really should be in the heart. Turn your heart. Rend your heart. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. February 14th, 2024. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 19. Have you ever had something happen or hear of something happening that just broke your heart? It was so tragic, so overwhelming, and you saw the suffering that it brought on others, or maybe the suffering in your own life. Maybe you looked at that and thought, is, is God trying to break my heart? Trying to crush me? Well, today we look at the word of our God and we see God's doing quite the opposite in our life. He doesn't want our hearts to be crushed. No, he longs for our hearts to belong to him. And as we face various trials or tragedies, that's exactly what he's doing. We see that as we look at God's word today in Joel chapter 2. See, the, the people in the time of Joel the prophet had just experienced two major events that were destructive and made them feel utterly crushed. So much so that Joel cries out to them, calling out to the people, say, mourn, weep, even you priests who serve in the temple of the Lord, weep because of what God has brought on us. It's described as a terrible invasion, only this time it wasn't an invasion from an army. No, this was something that seemed to be right from the hand of God. Something that was just like what he had sent on Egypt as one of their plagues. Locusts had come into the land and had completely destroyed their crops. You know, it's described when in these places of the world that locusts abound that sometimes there'll be billions of them and they can eat their entire weight in a day and they can just devastate an entire crop, a nation, a people. And that's what happened with Israel. They experienced one of these extreme events which seemed like a, a punishment from God that he wiped everything out. He sent those creatures and they knew it. Oh, but that wasn't enough. As if the locusts weren't enough, God sent another plague their way with a drought and a fire that burned. Once again, they weren't suffering at the hands of their enemies, but they were suffering under the hand of God and they could feel it and they were crushed. That's where we read in Joel chapter 2, the situation is so bad, it says, The day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? What Job is actually, Joel is actually leading us to see is the prophet Joel is depicting that this plague, this fire, is all just a picture, a foreshadow of what God's going to bring on all people. This world already is facing the curse of sin, and you've probably felt it. What I mentioned earlier, some of those things that can just weigh you down in your life, and you look at the world suffering, not just under wars that we cause, but famine, fires, disease, the things that seem to come from the hand of our God and leave us crushed. Who can endure? It's all really just a foreshadow. 
We read in Joel 2, verse 11, The Lord thunders, his forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. God will send his angels to judge this world, and as Peter says, the world and everything in it will be burned up with fire, and everything will be laid bare. Then, who will stand? You see, God isn't trying to crush us today when we face these hardships, when it seems like the hand of God is heavy on us. No, God longs for our hearts. He's not trying to crush our hearts. He's trying to win back our hearts from where they turned. That's why he says here, Even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Even though the people in Israel's time had experienced all this weighty, heavy hand of God, God is saying to them, right now, now is the time to turn to me when you face this. He's describing repentance, which is turning to God and turning from our sin. To grieve and to weep, he says, and to mourn and to fast, that is to withhold the pleasures of this world in recognition of what you've done. Obviously, we're not commanded in Scripture to fast any particular portion, and merely weeping isn't enough to cover sin. No, God doesn't care so much about the outward show. In fact, that's what he says here. He says, rend your heart, not your garments. All the outward things, your, your tears over sin, maybe bowing down before God in prayer, maybe even fasting, whatever it might be, those are just outward signs of what really should be in the heart. Turn your heart. Rend your heart. Certainly we see the world putting up its defenses against that. God's calling the world to repentance and the world doesn't want to listen and it puts up its walls and its berries and says, I don't need to rend anything. I'm going to take care of this heart. I shouldn't feel bad about what I've done. And certainly the world is not listening to that command to turn. What about God's people? What about like we see in the book of Joel, the prophet, as he speaks to the people of God? Does not God also want us to rend our hearts and not put up any barriers? When you are considering the commandments, have you loved God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Or are there some things that sometimes just have to take a higher position? Rend your heart as you've turned from God. Whether it's a particular interest or money or wealth, whatever it might be, turn your heart and tear your heart open. And we could go on as you consider the commands. Have you treated your body the way God calls you to? Have you respected marriage and sexuality and been pure like God calls you to? Or are you putting up barriers? Do you find yourself allowing some certain sins maybe, like an occasional gossip, because it's true. Rend your heart as you've torn down someone God tells you to build up. Whatever it might be, God invites us to take down all those things that separate us from him. And in the same way that in the Old Testament, they would tear their garments to signify sorrow over what has happened, including their own guilt. God says, rend your heart and return to the Lord your God. But there's good news. The return to God is not some 
desperate plea of a sinner in hope that he might perhaps listen. No, we turn from the ugliness of sin, we tear down our own barriers to a God who reveals himself as the Lord, your God. Even though our hearts have turned and need to turn back at times, he is still our God. And he doesn't send those hardships in our life to crush us. He sends them so we might wake up and realize the truth. The Lord, your God, is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. You know, if, if this world is facing hardship and calamity, it's not because God lacks patience. He is patient with sinners. He's patient with the sinful world and he's patient with you and me. And he invites us to experience your God and his graciousness and compassion. The prophet Joel doesn't make any promises that because you repented, you're automatically going to have everything going good in your life. In fact, he says, who knows, he may turn and relent and leave a blessing. That may happen. But even if he doesn't, forgiveness is there. Even if you must continue to suffer the consequence of sin or in a sin-cursed world, God is compassionate and gracious. So this Ash Wednesday, realize what he tells us to do. We read in verse 15, Blow the trumpet, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate an assembly. We've kind of done that today, right? We've invited people to come in the name of the Lord. We do it regularly, week by week. We do it in our homes with our families and we gather God's people together. And what he says is, bring together the elders, gather the children, even those nursing, nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber, even the priest. That is, everyone. There's no job too important, no position too high, no person too young to not need to gather with God's people. And this call is to invite God's people to gather. And when they gather in their house, it's not to bemoan the evils of this world, but it is to bemoan our own guilt and before God ourselves, rend our own hearts and find the Lord spares his people. Let God's people say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn. so that God would not make you and I an object of scorn, left in the dust of death. He did not spare his only son. And his son, in fulfilling God's gracious and compassionate plan for this world, came to be an object of scorn. And he himself was despised so that the people were saying, where is his God? Let God rescue him if he cares for him. But Jesus, the Son of God, trusted perfectly in the Father, even as he hung in agony on the cross and carried our sin. And the Father answered his cry as he committed himself and his spirit to the Father, his mission complete, his task done. He paid for the guilt of this world. So now we know if, if something comes in our life to crush our hearts, it's not because of our guilt. It's not because God is enacting a price from us. It's because he wants us to remember right now to turn to him and right now to find in him compassion. And someday, it says here, the Lord, who is jealous for his people, said, 
I am sending you new grain and new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Obviously, Israel was relieved at a time, but once again had to suffer. This is fulfilled only in the Messiah, in Christ, that the people of Israel and all the people of God, from the youngest to the oldest to every position, would find themselves fully satisfied and blessed as we are raised from the dust, never again to be an object of scorn, never again to have someone say, where is your God? But the Lord who longs for the hearts of all will bless those who trusted in him and in his son. And we will live in his kingdom, raised from the ashes to everlasting life with the God who longs for the hearts of all. Amen.